Welcome back to Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. My name is Seth Creekmore, but you can call me Creek, and I'm with my two co-hosts, who you may have heard of, Mario Sikora and Maria Jose. How y'all doing? Hi, Craig. Hi, Mario. I'm good. How are you? Doing great. I'm, I'm good, too. And uh, so I am Mario Sikora, and you can call me Mario. <laughs> um, what did you all have to eat today? had to eat today. That's a great question. I had some leftover Chinese food. My, uh, We got Chinese food for Father's Day yesterday. And, Very nice. Uh, yeah, so I had some leftovers. It was yummy. I had some leftover paella. So, yes, it was really good from yesterday. My brother prepared it uh, for Father's Day. What was in the paella? Pork, sausage, and shrimp. Great. How about you, Creek? What did I have? I haven't eaten much today. It's been kind of a busy day. So I had some raspberries this morning. Um, and then I had some tortilla chips with guacamole and salsa and... That's all I've had time for today, so I'm going to be chowing down after this, that's for sure. (laughs) Anyway, so today we're talking about patterns of expression and going a little bit more in depth into what are the orders and the practical applications of them. Uh, I I think I shared in the first episode how that was the first thing I heard about you and your work with the Enneagram. This guy who had this weird theory about how the instincts expressed... So when I met you, that's kind of, that preceded you. And it was interesting to start hearing about your approach in that regard, which I think I also mentioned, I tested in real life for a while before believing, (laughs) before just swallowing it because you said it. And the truth is that the more I use it, the more I see how it is present and the more I see that it, how useful it is. So what we're talking about here is that we mentioned the three zones, the zone of enthusiasm, the zone of inner conflict, and the zone of indifference. Now, if I'm a navigator, according to other approaches, I could be navigating, transmitting, preserving, or navigating preserving, transmitting. What we're saying here is that there's only one way in which they express. So if I'm a navigator, my zone of enthusiasm is navigating and my zone of inner conflict is always transmitting. And then the zone of indifference would be preserving. And that's the case for the other two domains. So we all have one particular order in which they express and that creates three particular profiles. And those profiles, to reiterate, is navigating, transmitting, preserving. Preserving, navigating, transmitting, and transmitting, preserving, navigating. Yeah, but I want to also say that this is one of the distinctions between thinking of this in terms of a pattern of expression and thinking of it as a stack, okay? Because, again, if you think of it as a stack, it's one, two, three, right? This is first, this is second, this is third. But what we're proposing here is that each of us has a specific relationship with the three domains, okay? And that relationship plays itself out in only three ways rather than six ways. 
and again, a lot of people disagree with us. Okay, in fact, I think everybody. Um, no, not everybody. no, no, no. We agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I said us, Maria Jose. I didn't okay. say me. And to be fair, this is like one of the only things in your work that is kind of just your subjective experience versus well thought out, science backed, all of that. But you've just seen it work very specifically. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll quibble with that uh, actually, Creek, because I, I would argue that none of my the things in my approach are particularly science backed right i mean you know the enneagram is not a science model it's all it's it's an empirical model okay meaning that it's based on observation okay mm. and then you know and then structuring that observation into a heuristic way of thinking about things right and so you know it, it's the same as everything else and everything about the enneagram is based on people's observations and then saying okay let's now we've observed this enough that we can we can let go of you know some of our equivocating about it Right, our qualifying of it. Go ahead, Maria. We just try that it doesn't, we make sure that it doesn't contradict science. And that's why we don't use the term instinct and we use instinctual biases and things like that. It, it's not mm -hmm. it, scientifically kind of based. It just mm -hmm. doesn't contradict in, um, science. I think what I'm, what I'm maybe more saying is the, the pattern of expression. We've gone a lot into how each of those instinctual biases have evolved over time. And there's, there's lots yep. of work out there, but the pattern of expression is just, there's not much out there other than just observation. Right. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I have to just make a comment here. It's, it is very tempting to come up with rationalizations of yeah. why those patterns yeah. of expression exist. And if we wanted to, we could have come up with, several stories about it that could make sense. They would mm. seem like reasonable. We've yeah. avoided, we've tried to stay away from that because it's really hard to know for sure mm -hmm. why they're there. But yeah. if we wanted to, we could have a really good story about it. Yeah, you, you, could, you, you could make up causal mechanisms very easily, right? I mean, we talked last time about you know, people suggesting, well, the reason that somebody is self-prez is because they didn't, they felt a lack in their childhood. You know, you can build a story like that, but there's no way to prove it. And mm -hmm. with things that are not uh, falsifiable, then we just rely on our observation, right? And I always mm -hmm. tell people, you know, there's 8 billion people, give or take, on the planet, and I have not met them all yet. Um, so there might be somebody out there, even multiple people out there, who do not fit the pattern that I describe. I just have not encountered any yet who have stood up to the scrutiny of observation, right? I've had people say, oh, no, that doesn't fit me. But it's either because they don't understand the descriptions that I'm making or they're just blind to behaviors in themselves. Mm. You know, and so, you know, people could argue back and forth. You know, people could say, you know, simply say, well, I see it differently, right? Mm -hmm. Or I've encountered people who don't fit your pattern. And I can't argue with that, right? Sure, uh, sure. All I can say is, well, here's why I think this. And here's why I continue to teach it. Yeah, well, and I think that's just invite. I want to invite the listener to whether you agree with how this is formed or not, I think you can, you can still approach it with some curiosity 
And I mean, even when, when I started learning your approach, it was, it was in some ways hard to really, well, trust you that you, that you knew what you're talking about. Um, <clears throat> and, because but, you couldn't see my trustworthy face <laughs> right. established in earlier editions. Right I've now. seen your face way too much. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but, but it was, if nothing else, it gave me something to compare and contrast with. Something to just be curious on how each of those uh, domains exist within myself and how I, how I relate to them. And that's really the, the end of the day what we're going for here not if this is empirically accurate or not when it when it comes right down to it with all this stuff these are all tools to help us answer the questions what is happening to me right now and what do i need to do about it right a model is like a finger pointing to the moon right it's saying hey don't forget about this right look over here and this is what the Enneagram does for us, right? And it doesn't matter because how many times have we seen people, Enneagram teachers who for years said, oh, I'm this type, and then they change their mind. Does that invalidate any growth they have made hmm. when they were under the illusion that they were a different Enneagram type, right? No, right? They right. still grew. They might accelerate their growth even more once they get their type correct. Right. But, you know, this is all just stuff to help us look at ourselves, like you said. So here's, here's where this came from. So, you know, I'm an executive coach. I've been an executive coach for 25 years. And for all those years, for hundreds and hundreds of clients, I have done 360 assessments where I have talked to, you know, a dozen or so of their coworkers. What's this person good at? What do they need to get better at? Right? And then I do assessments of them, and then I coach them over time. And I have seen over and over again that there are certain patterns. And I started noticing it years ago. I started noticing, for example, that everybody that I thought of as a navigator tended to not be so great at the process and structure stuff, right? That they, you know, they just weren't all that interested in budgeting their books or, you know, doing the administrative stuff, that sort of thing, right? That people that I saw as preservers were pretty terrible at self-promotion, right? They just, it just didn't occur to them. It just wasn't something they thought about. They weren't, you know, they were more interested in being comfortable than they were in peacocking. It's not like, it's like they don't feel the need. They just don't feel the need, right? It's just, I'm just not interested in that, right? And then people who are transmitters, and this is something I see in the, in, in the corporate world all the time, they rise quickly because of their assertiveness, because of their ability to stand out, et cetera. And then they get to a certain point where their indifference to organizational dynamics and politics undermines their success. Right? And that's all navigating domain stuff. Okay? So I started seeing over and over again that there was this predictable vulnerability in people with each of the instinctual biases that I just kept seeing over and over and over and over again. So I started looking more closely at that. Okay, well, why is this? Why is this going on? And then I started also seeing this inner conflict that we talk about, right, in this middle sort of domain. So for me, it's not just, oh, I do this one 60% and I do this one 30% and I do this one 10%. It's because I have a navigating bias, this is what my relationship to the transmitting domain tends to be, and this is what my relationship to the preserving domain tends to be. 
Now, here's the problem. We're all victim of confirmation bias. So whatever idea we start out as, we can find evidence of. Or, if we have a belief, we can fail to see evidence that exists. So we hear people say, well, I don't fit your pattern because I'm, you know, a, a sexual subtype and I'm, you know, I'm awful. I never do any preserving. But then they talk about preserving things all the time, right? And they, you know, they might not be good at it. They might not be skillful. But again, that's the inner conflict that we're talking about, okay? And people who are, you know, uh, preserving who say, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sexual, second, or transmitting. Well, usually what they're seeing is that relationship orientation in the preserving domain that I talked about in another episode. But what they don't ever even think about is this tendency to, you know, display. And that, again, they're conflicted in the navigating domain. I see this in preservers all the time where they have a small group that they're very close to, but they don't like to extend out beyond that, right? They, they kind of want to keep to their own knitting. Even a book, it's close to me somewhere. I, I can't. I, called Social Chemistry. Uh, the woman's name is Marissa King, and she identifies three networking styles. And if you read that book, you can see the three instinctual biases there, and you can see the shortcomings that spell out what we're talking about with this pattern of expression. Hmm. Marie Jose, did I miss anything? No, I think that it might be useful to discuss how each of the profiles relate to the three domains. So for example, the preservers, the zone of enthusiasm is preserving, so they just do the preserving things without even thinking. And that's something that sometimes causes some confusion because they are doing it without thinking and they don't see it. It's the water that they swim in. But then the zone of, of inner conflict is navigating. And as you said, it's, I'm not sure that I'm doing enough, but I don't want to do a lot more. I'm not sure that I'm good enough and I should reach out to more people, but I don't feel like I have the energy to do it. And my experience for about preservers is that, for example, at work, they can navigate, but it's not something that they really enjoy doing. It's something that it's a skill that they can apply, but it's not something that they get enthusiastic about necessarily. Yeah. And it's also something that they pay an energetic cost for. Yeah. Right. Um, just like, you know, you and I as navigators, we we can transmit, yeah. but we pay an energetic cost for it. We find mm -hmm. it a little more time. Yeah. And finally, with preservers, transmitting is something that I shouldn't need to do. That's kind of the mindset. I shouldn't need to promote myself, to sell myself. I should do my work well, and that should speak for itself. I shouldn't need to reach out to people to tell them how good I am. That's kind of the mindset of the preserver. Navigators is different. So I am a navigator as well. So we do navigating without thinking. We just scan the room. We know who is who. We know who to trust. We just engage in relationships in a navigating way. But then transmitting, it's what I'm, we're conflicted about. So navigators feel like oh, I wish I were like those transmitters, but not so much that I, we would be the center of attention. So I don't want to do too much. I envy them, but then I kind of dislike them in a way. So it's, I'm conflicted about it. Preserving, it's something that can always wait until tomorrow. So I was talking to a preser uh, Navigating 3 the other day, and we were talking about 
how they manage their kind of own energy. And he said, I can always sleep tomorrow, but today I'll kind of be where I want to be. And even if I have to stay until really late. So it's always something that can wait. It's a low priority, the preserving domain. He was also talking about how he drives people really hard and doesn't pay attention to their well-being because that's kind of the, the domain where he pays less, least, the least attention. I always forget to schedule bathroom breaks, right, when I'm doing a training, right? Hmm. I just lose track of time, and, you know, and then you see people starting to squirm and all that sort of stuff, and you realize, oh, I've been, you know, I've had these people here for two hours instead of breaking at 90 minutes, you know, that, that sort of thing, right? So hmm. now the reason, I think, is that, that most people don't, agree with this pattern is because they're not defining the terms in the same way that we are very often, right? So for example, we have lots of transmitters who say, oh, I'm social second, right? And they're confusing wanting to transmit at an audience, you know, even if that's an audience of people at a cocktail party, with being social. And we're saying that might be social, but it's not navigating. Right? Because navigating is about taking in information and understanding and putting context, reading nuance, right? like Mario, as I said. Hmm. Um, but transmitters don't do that well. Why? Because they're busy transmitting. Right? And if you're mm -hmm. transmitting, you're not receiving most of the time. So it, it, when people get the definitions right, then they start to see it. Yeah, I was just going to finish with the, last, the, the third profile, the transmitting yeah. profile. So they do this transmitting without thinking. What you're saying, it's a typical confusion. It's transmitters scan the room, but most of the times to see what's interesting. Yeah. They're looking for prey, as one of our friends put it, who's a trainer. <laughs> They're not scanning the room to understand the room and every piece of it, as navigators mm. would. So they transmit without thinking, and then the sort of inner conflict would be preserving that's at the service of transmitting most of the time. So I can want to have a good home, a nice home to transmit or the resources to transmit, the personal resources. I want to look good. I want to be healthy and all that so that I can transmit better or more. And then the navigating domain, it's almost wrong. It's amazing how in the, like there was, we were doing this session the other day and people were think we're asking if, navigating was immoral because it was just like it feels wrong to a lot of uh, transmitters just hmm. a waste of time spending time talking to people who you don't need in the short term or building alliances or scanning or understanding the politics or gossiping, or gossiping. Hmm. so it is there's a particular order. And I agree with you that some people don't get the definitions. And sometimes I think the other confusion is that they see traits that have to do with the strategy as being part of the instinctual domains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So uh, just an example, I was working with these uh, navigating three the other day. So a lot of people thought that he was transmitting because he's a three. And they challenged him because he said, no, you are not navigating, you're transmitting. But the guy resonated with all the navigating things. But because he's a three, striving to feel outstanding, that felt a bit like transmitting. But he was definitely navigating. 
Hmm. Maria Jose touched on something that I think bears expanding. Very often when we do the things in the zone of inner conflict and the zone of indifference, we do them to satisfy the need of the zone of enthusiasm. So when navigators will preserve, it's usually in a way that reinforces their sense of solidity in the navigating domain. They're not preserving like a preserver. They're preserving in service of the navigating bias in a lot of ways. Now, again, not all the time, because we do need to just take care of some of the fundamental survival things at times and so forth. But, you know, for example, you get navigators who like to cook, right? And they'll say, well, I must be, you know, uh, preserving or self-pres because I like to cook. But the cooking is different from just a preserving activity. It's an expression of who they are at times, right? It's, a, it's an identity issue, even if they're not aware of it. And it's a social activity. You know, when I have a, a party at our house, you know, for me, I'm, I'm very focused on making sure there's enough food, making sure there's enough to drink, that, you know, everything anybody could want is there. But it's not because I'm preserving that we're going to have enough food to feed three times the number of people. It's going to be because I don't want anybody walking out of there saying, this guy didn't have enough food, right? So it's, you know, again, it's in service of the navigating thing. If we go a step further, the only way to work on these things where we have issues is to think it, about it that way. As a navigator, the only way I can get to work on my preserving or transmitting is when I think about the navigating benefits to it. Otherwise, it's just too much energy. It's just too much effort in it. All right, so let's talk about some real-world application and especially as it relates to awareness to action and how you apply it to business and your clients. You know, I started off by saying earlier that I started to see these patterns in people's 360 assessments and that same predictability or I'll say high probability that I saw in individuals, I would also start to see in teams and in organizations. I always like to think that, you know, culture and personality are very related. Culture is a, you know, it's a, it's a personality writ large, okay? It's a way of, uh, you know, an agreed-upon habitual way of solving group problems. Um, how do I deal with time? You know, it's either a clock time where the bus comes at 12 o'clock, I show up at 12 o'clock, or the bus gets there when it gets there. It's called event time. And different cultures are, you know, you go to Egypt, it's event time, right? The bus gets there when it gets there go to Switzerland or Germany, the bus is there at 12 o'clock, okay? So that's one element of culture. It's an agreed-upon way of dealing with the problem of time. Personality is a set of adaptive strategies for dealing with problems, okay? How do I get things done that I need to get done? So you see the same sort of patterns in groups, in organizations, in cultures that you do in individuals, and the, with the instinctual biases, it's no different, okay? You will see functions in a company that have the culture of an instinctual bias. For example, preserving you know, is correlated to finance, it's correlated to operations, it's correlated to health and safety in an organization. Uh, navigating is highly correlated to marketing, going out and finding what the customer needs, and human resource issues, organizational development issues. And the transmitting domain is very correlated to sales and to innovation. And because organizations take on cultures, that are related to the instinctual domains, you start to see this high probability 
of once you identify the organizations or the group's instinctual bias, you're going to know what areas are underdeveloped. So, and you'll see different industries, right? So, for example, the finance industry is a very preserving industry. I was just talking to a woman today who does uh, innovation work with companies. And she was talking about working with a company that's in a very much a preserving domain. But she's speaking about a transmitting topic, innovation, like a transmitter because that's what she is. And then she can't understand why these people just think what she's saying is completely unimportant. Because she's speaking to preservers like a transmitter. She's speaking to them from their zone of indifference. So what's their reaction? They're indifferent. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it made me think of another example of... Uh, I was talking to other consultants who are working with a company who develops and sells HR products, like software to manage the different HR functions. And they, their, their sales force are all transmitters. They're kind of prepared and asked to work as transmitters. Now, they're selling these transmitting, these products in a transmitting way to people who worry about the processes in HR and who do not only resonate with the tone, but they even doubt things that are presented in a transmitting way because it looks like they're trying to sell me something that might be not good for me. They're trying to oversell something that it's not that good. So it's the thing that they're selling, but also the tone and the way when transmitters sell to a preserver or sometimes even to a navigator, sometimes it's hard to trust. Because we see these patterns over and over again, right? Again, it, it, it's useful to understand these things going into any engagement with people. That because, you know, it, it accelerates you understanding what they need. And so the question can always be thrown back because, you know, I am quick to say, well, the reason that people don't believe this is because, you know, they're stupid or ignorant or, you know, whatever. No, no, that's not what I say. But they, they, they're just not seeing it. And they fall victim to confirmation bias when they see something different. And, of course, the same charge could be leveled back at us. Uh, the only thing I have to say to that is that we work with people with whom there are consequences to peddling things that aren't accurate, right? And so that our clients see this and, you know, keep having us come back for, you know, for us as a sign that, well, we're on to something here. And they can very quickly draw conclusions from it. It is amazing how once they get it, they start seeing why certain things are working for them or are not working for them. I had that experience earlier today, right, talking to a woman, again, this woman about innovation, and she immediately saw, as soon as I explained these three instinctual biases, that's the example she came up with. She said, you know, I couldn't figure out why these people didn't call us back, right? But now I understand. Well, we, we've finished one of the more provocative episodes that we've recorded thus far. So uh, hope, ever, hopefully everyone that's listening is, is doing okay. Deep breaths. <laughs> You'll be okay. So again, just inviting everyone to be curious and uh, just, just, see, just see what happens. And all of this is useful on some level. Uh, so next week, we're going to be talking more specifically about the instinctual domains and we're going to focus on the preserving domain next time i believe that's right, right that's right that's yeah right. The, the boring one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
Next. Okay. Just a little proof of concept here is all. Is all, all yeah, there's yeah. one thing we have not been able to get rid of or unbiased. It's our dislike for preserving. Wow. Um, not, pre- not people with a preserving instinctual bias. We love you. Right, uh, we just think <laughs> the preserving domain is, you know. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Well, yes, yeah, so the preserving domain next week. Bring your your blankets and your food and all, all the things. Um, so we will see you next week. So see long, you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.